welcome to Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janine Moloff, your producer and host. Well, we're kind of a short show today, all right? Um, there's so much going on, and I'm in the middle really trying to reevaluate, you know, how I'm going to proceed with the show. We are really in the process of not only reevaluating, but even rebranding to some degree, because um, we really want to you know, grow our audience. So if you like our show, please share on social media. We need that. All right, so today if you saw the advert, it says Trump's base is all about bigotry and violence. Well, you know, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? But I'm a firm believer in the old adage, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. So if you saw, you know, it says basically that I'm going to discuss Two stories, really. Okay, so our first story is a little shorter, and it deals, it's a, sec, it's a secondary story, we're going to do it first. It deals with the illegal and unconstitutional arrest of two journalists in Alabama. Now, once again, this is a dangerous specter of growing fascism in the United States, directly sponsored and enabled by, yes, the GOP. You know, you'll hear quite a few, uh, you know, what they call those moderate Republicans saying they strayed from the days of Ronald Reagan. What a pile of crap, okay? Ronald Reagan was incredibly bigoted. Um, I still remember, what was this thing about the welfare queens buying lobster with food stamps, which wasn't actually possible, you know, and so on and so forth. So the GOP has always protected and grown the bigots within their party. Uh, you don't have to look any further than Bill Buckley. You know, he just did bigotry with, you know, an Eastern accent, you know, just very, very high tone and, and you know, very upper cross, you know, Harvard, et cetera. I mean, you don't have to look any further than the legacy admissions program of the Ivy. A lot of people don't realize the legacy admission of the Ivy League schools, which basically allowed anybody, if you were the son or daughter of an alum, you can be dumb as a post and get admitted. Look at W. You don't have to look any further than that. But that all started historically back in, I guess, like the 1920s when the Ivies became very upset that they thought too many Jews specifically were getting into Ivies, you know, by studying hard. And so they created the legacy system to block, you know, the minority that they most hated at the time besides blacks, which were Jews. Okay, that's what it is. So the GOP and conservatives have always been bigoted. Let's get a little real here. In fact, no, no group of people is immune from bigotry. You know, we're human. We're going to have our bias. Let's get a little real here and, and, and a little more honest. So, but again, the first story is going to deal with the arrest of these two journalists in Alabama. It is a dangerous uh, specter. And then the second, our big story, deals with the obvious vile bigotry of the Trump base. You know, it's easy just to put it all on Trump. I listened to, you called it a speech. It really wasn't a speech. Trump was rambling in front of the Florida, I think, Republican base convention, something like that. And, you know, it felt like he was in front of this reality show, reality TV, and he was just rambling and not making a whole lot of sense. You know, a lot of innuendo, 
And that was pretty much it. And he rambled. He's still rambling, okay? It's been going on for a freaking hour, all right? So, but the thing is this. Trump couldn't have gotten as far as he did, money or not, without that bigoted base. Let's get a little real here. In fact, I would go as far as to say the Civil War never truly ended. It merely morphed into not only Jim Crow, but it morphed beyond that into the GOP, you know, where basically they really pushed not only racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, trans, the whole nine yards, okay? So, you know, once again, this is nothing new. Uh, and without the base, he couldn't have gotten as far. Okay, now, there's some apologists for the base. Uh, some of them have some of the most asinine excuses, like, well, they voted for Obama twice, both times, and then they voted for Trump. Okay, not only does that sound like a lie to me, it sounds like an incredibly stupid lie. Trump and Obama, Trump hates Obama. He's always hated Obama. He's, the, he's one of the people that started the whole nonsense of Obama wasn't really born in this country. Last time I checked, why he was, you know, a part of the United States. Um, but they, these people actually believe that we're going to buy this nonsense that they voted, quote, for Obama both times and then voted for Trump. They somehow made that, that mental leap? Seriously? Okay, I'm being a little more emotional than usual, but that, that's just so asinine, it's beyond the pale. Every time I hear that nonsense, I want to scream. Um, and then some of them use, you know, the idea, well, it was the economy. You know, they talk about Trump's business acumen. Okay, talk about a phrase that's an ultimate oxymoron, Trump's business acumen. His what? He went bankrupt six times. Now, there are those that will say, well, you know, Donald Trump took advantage of the, of the bankruptcy laws to benefit from them. Okay, well, that's an admission not only that he didn't take care of business, but that he's also dishonest, all right? It's still six bankruptcies, period. And he got to the point where no bank would give him a loan, none. That's why he went to the Russians. I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, you know, Trump has no business acumen other than the ability to market himself to the bigots. That's it. You know, he, he never produced a product, really. You know, he markets his name. So let's get a little real. Let's say, well, you voted for Donald Trump because of his business acumen, and you just disregarded the overt bigotry that is, you know, bordering on neo-Nazism. Come on now. That's you know, if, you, if you're stupid enough to believe that one, you know what? I have a bridge in Brooklyn that I can sell you really cheap. I know it's trite, but it's true. Okay. So these are the people that quote the, the, nice Trump, the nice Trump supporters. And it's all bull crap because bottom line is whether it was these milder Trump supporters whose excuse was they liked his business acumen <laughs> or – you know, because they voted for Obama and then voted for Trump nonsense. No. They supported Trump because of white supremacy, and they want to hold on to the ability to look down on other people. That counts for more to them, and they, they're not honest enough to at least admit that they're bigots. Okay? And in that group, I would say the most virulent, the most poisonous of Trump supporters are actually alleged white 
in quotes, Christian evangelicals or white Christian nationalists. Um, so we're going to discuss how these white Christian nationalist evangelicals are among some of the most bigoted and bloodthirsty Trumpers as they claim to pray for the rest of us, uh, you know, rest of us must, that is. The issue isn't just Trump, as I said before, it's his base and their willingness to not only commit any crime, as we saw on January 6th, but to justify any crime in order to not only obtain, but maintain power. Okay? So those are our two stories for today. And then we will have our Jackass of the Week Award. And then, of course, I forgot to put it on the advert, we will have the stylings of Randy Rainbow as well. So let's move on with the show. Okay. So the first story, um, there were there were different uh, groups that wrote this up, but I went to Raw Story, and I first heard about this story about the two journalists arrested in Alabama uh, on the Young Turks, actually. So this was a piece written by Travis Getty, uh, published in Raw Story. Uh, let's see, when was this published? I don't see it. Okay. Just this week, anyway. The headline reads, quote, outrageous and flatly unconstitutional. Lawyer decries arrest of Alabama journalists. So let's talk about the history first. So there's a southwestern Alabama newspaper, and I believe it's called the Atmore News. Yes, it is. And the police came last week, and they arrested the publisher of the Atmore News and the reporter that published an article and this article claimed that prosecutors, uh, I, I mean, okay, so the police came. Let me start back up a little bit again. Um, I'm not having a senior moment at 64. I do stutter a bit at times, so kind of bear with me. Um, so basically, these, this is the publisher and a reporter for the Atmore News in a small Alabama town. They, police came. They arrested both the publisher and the reporter. And the alleged crime prosecutors claimed that they published an article that was, quote, according to the article, quote, based on confidential grand jury evidence, okay, end quote. So I'm going to read straight from this, quote, Don Fletcher reported for the Atmore News on an investigation into the local school board's payments to seven former school employees that Escambia County District Attorney says broke the law against revealing grand jury proceedings. And both the reporter and publisher, Sherry Digman, were arrested and charged with a felony, reported the Washington Post. So I didn't go to the Washington Post. I went to Raw Story. But this originally came out from the Washington Post. All right. So Don Fletcher is the reporter, and Sherry Digman is the publisher of the Atmore News. Now, the Washington Post obtained a quote from, it looks like, several legal experts that all said, quote, uh, legal experts told the Post, quote, while it's illegal for a grand juror, witness, or court officer to disclose grand jury proceedings, it's not a crime for a media outlet to publish such leaked material provided the material was obtained by legal means, end quote. Um, they also pointed out that <coughs> they also mentioned an attorney who has represented um, media organizations by the name of Theodore J. Boutros. I hope I'm saying this right. And Mr. Boutros explained that this, quote, the Supreme Court, 
this is the article quote, has, quote, consistently ruled that the First Amendment protects journalists who publish information of public importance, even if that information came from a source who broke the law. And Boutros explained, quote, that applies to grand jury information, end quote, and Boutros called the Alabama case, quote, extraordinary, outrageous, and flatly unconstitutional, end quote. Now, there's more to the story than just that. There's also, excuse me, take a little drink. There's also an unethical conflict of interest on the prosecutor's part. As it turns out, the newspaper's publisher, who is also a co-owner of the newspaper, is also a member of the same county school board where, you know, there was a question about some questionable payments. And according to the raw story, it says, quote, the newspaper's publisher and co-owner is a member of the county school board, and she voted recently against renewing the contract of the superintendent, who has been publicly supported by District Attorney Stephen Billy, end quote. So Digman, Sherry Digman's the publisher, all she could say was, quote, I wish I could comment. I would rather not answer. I can only refer you to my attorney, end quote. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Now, that attorney also represents Fletcher, the reporter, and the attorney didn't respond to requests by Ross Story for comment either. Neither did the district attorney. Now, there was another person who was also arrested, a third person, and her name was Veronica Ashley Foray. Now, Ms. Foray is the Escambia School System's payroll bookkeeper. Now, she was arrested Friday, last Friday, and she was charged with, quote, revealing grand jury information and allegedly providing the newspaper with documents that Fletcher used in his October 25th report, which Billy told the Atmore Advance was, quote, not allowed, end quote. Billy is the, um, you know, the prosecutor, okay? So, you know, let me just make that crystal clear here, okay? Um, going back further... Um, Prosecutor Billy also said, quote, all three of them, including the girl, Foray, were all charged with the same thing. But you just can't do that, and there's no reason for that. Innocent people get exposed, and it causes a lot of trouble for people. Let me make sure I got that straight. Sometimes when they write these articles, they, they don't really keep it clear who's who and what's what. Okay. Probably should have gone to the Washington Post. Uh, let me back up here. I can admit when I make a mistake. Let's see now. Let's see now. Anyway, um, Digmore, according to the article, quote, Digmore, the publisher, was then arrested again Wednesday, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> on a separate charge of using her school board position for personal gain in allegedly selling $2,500 worth of newspaper ads to the school system, which could be in violation of Alabama law prohibiting public officials from soliciting money and items of, fa of value, end quote. Okay, there. To me, I don't know if the publisher did something wrong or not. This looks clearly like an abuse of prosecutorial discretion. A lot of Americans don't understand 
prosecutors in our system have a lot of power. In fact, they hold all the power in criminal actions, so much so that they have more power than the judge. And they have this thing called prosecutorial discretion. You know, they don't have to pursue charges. And, you know, we, we've seen this where, you know, it took a while to get charges against Donald Trump, even though his crimes are very egregious and obvious. Um, but, you know, once again, this is something that we need to look into because the Supreme Court protects journalists. It just does. Um, and the fact is, when you're a journalist, there are times when people will come forward, whistleblowers, whatever, and they leak information that is of vital importance because, let's face it, government officials on either party don't always tell the truth, don't always do the right thing. Without the ability to publish that, journalism would come to a grinding halt. Okay? Let's get a little real here. And this is something where I've seen prosecutors on both sides of the political aisle abuse their power in such a fashion. You know, keep in mind, what was it, a month ago, another small-town newspaper was not only raided, but the publisher was, you know, also uh, arrested and charged. You know, once again, this is, they're not attacking the big papers. They're going to the smaller ones first. It's easy prey. And this is something where <clears throat> it has to stop. It just does. You know, both Democrats and Republicans alike, you know, they hate WikiLeaks, okay? They think that Julian Assange should rot in jail forever. I don't share that belief. Now, Assange himself, personally, whatever. The fact is, WikiLeaks let the, you know, the world know crimes that our government was committing. Not just here, but crimes other governments were committing as well. You know, the Afghan war diaries where our soldiers were referring to remote drones murdering civilians and then referring to the murdered people, including reporters, as bug splat. Yeah. We, have, we need to know democracies cannot survive where there is not a vibrant press. They just can't. Um, so, you know, once again, and WikiLeaks led to other groups, you know, coming forward and collecting information where we're finding out, you know, these big banks have invested in all sorts of craziness. This is something that must be protected, okay? Again, it's a short show today, but when I saw this piece, I knew I had to talk about it. Excuse me. Got cold here again. It's affecting my respiratory. Okay, so that's story number one, and, and we really need to be mindful how important the press is. You know, it still galls me that, you know, Barack Obama was every bit as vicious towards WikiLeaks and Julian Assange as Trump was. There was no difference, not on that. And the fact is, yes, we had a right to know. We just did. So, yeah, I believe in press freedom, and this is something we will be talking about more in the future. Now, I'm going to take a little break before we move into our big story. (laughs) 
And we're back. And short, it's a short program this week, mainly because I'm working on another piece. Um, if you didn't get a chance to check out my written work on Nation of Change or Eurasia Review, please do. Um, about a month ago, I did a piece on the wrongful conviction of Marcellus Williams and how the state of Missouri is still intent on executing this man who has been cleared by DNA evidence. <clears throat> so check it out. All you have to do is Google my name, Janine Moloff, Nation of Change. And it ran in both, Nation of Change and Eurasia Review. Okay, let's move on to our big story. This is, starts with a piece from MSNBC. Uh, the story number two, the Trump base, why it must be stopped, and how they despise democracy, and they do. So this is a piece that was written by Sarah Posner, who is an MSNBC columnist. Uh, it was published October 25th, 2023. The headline is, a new poll has chilling findings about political violence in 2024. And it goes on to say, unsurprisingly, Trump supporters, especially white evangelicals, are in the vanguard of this movement, movement, end quote. And this is based on a report that was released that Wednesday, end of October, and it was released by these two groups. It was, the report was compiled by a group called the Public Religion Research Institute, in conjunction with Brookings Institute. And they, what they found is kind of what we suspected, that you know, basically there is a huge appetite for political violence since 2021 after January 6th, and it's coming from you know, Trump supporters, especially white evangelicals. Now, they have some basic statistics here where they point out, and I'm just reading from this right now, quote, Two years ago, just 15% of Americans agreed with the statement that, quote, because things have gotten so far off track, true American patriots may have to resort to violence in order to save our country, end quote. It goes on to say, uh, quote, now 23% are in favor, including 33% of Republicans. <coughs> Sorry about the coughing, folks. So then it goes on to say a little more. Quote, Unsurprisingly, Trump supporters, especially white evangelicals, are in the vanguard of this movement. Nearly one-third of white evangelicals, regardless of party affiliation, express support for political violence, easily the highest among all Americans. Among Americans with a favorable view of Trump, 41% of people are open to violence from, quote, true American patriots, end quote. And the when you talk about white evangelicals, you're talking about religious fundamentalists, okay? And their fundamentalist views are not only Christian fundamentalism, but, the, but it's, it's couched within white supremacy. Make no mistake about it. None. And when you're dealing with a religious fundamentalist, you know, you are not dealing with people that believe in democracy because there can be no compromise. Now, this piece from MSNBC goes on to say, quote, nearly one-third of white evangelicals regardless, oh, I already read that, I'm sorry. So it goes on to say, quote, according to the PRRI, which is the Public Religion Research Institute, white Christians are, quote, notably more likely to view immigrants as an invading force. 
goes on to say, quote, these findings are especially alarming amid Trump's increasingly violent rhetoric that experts fear will further incite his followers to take dangerous and criminal actions. And the increasingly violent rhetoric that is coming based as reported by Axios.com. And if we look at that here, the piece from Axios, um, this, this was written by Zachary Basu, uh, and it was published just the other day, October 4th. Not, I'm sorry, not October, a month ago. My bad. And the headline is, Trump's words turn violent as pressure on him builds. Um, you know, Trump, whether he's joking or not, alluding to violence is part of his political brand, okay? Um, and, you know, we're going to get into that a little bit, but, you know, he is, you know, calling for certain people to be executed, all right? You know, according to his Axios report, <clears throat> since he left office, you know, it's, he's become, his rhetoric has become more violent, okay? Um, back in October, he basically, um, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Okay. In, he, back in October, he said, among other things, quote, according to Axios, that is, former Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley, according to Trump, committed treason and suggested he be executed. Um, he also, quote, called for Judge Angeron to be disbarred, thrown out of office, and criminally prosecuted, in addition to attacking the judge's clerk. He, quote, labeled New York Attorney General Letitia James, who's suing Trump for fraudulently inflating his wealth and assets on financial records, quote, a racist and a monster. He said, quote, Special Counsel Jack Smith, who's prosecuting Trump in the January 6th and classified documents cases, is deranged and a psycho who looks like a crackhead. Trump posted online, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. And that was one day after swearing in federal court that he would not intimidate witnesses in the election interference case, and that's as documented by Politico.com. Okay. Um, what else? He mocked Paul Pelosi, you know, Nancy Pelosi's husband, after he was brutally assaulted by a home intruder who was searching for Pelosi's wife. Um, he called for police to shoot shoplifters on site, and that's as documented by USA Today. He said, migrants illegally crossing the U.S. are poisoning the blood of our country, and that's according to MidasTouch.com. And that one's really particularly upsetting because this idea of poisoning the blood of our country, that rhetoric comes straight from Adolf Hitler. Make no mistake about it. That's what they mean by blood and soil. Trump knows what he's doing. Everybody jokes and says, well, you know, he's kind of goofy. He doesn't know what he's saying. He knows what he's saying. In recent weeks, Trump was caught on tape admitting he knew he lost the election. He knows he's lying. He absolutely knows. Now, if anyone else who was a criminal defendant had pulled this kind of crap, including witness tampering, when he's basically inciting his lynch mob to go after witnesses and judges, his bail would have been yanked. His ass would have been seated in a jail cell because witness tampering is a crime. Okay? It just is. 
let's go back to our original, okay, the MSNBC article. You know, we went into that. Um, and it's saying a lot of the same things. Now, <laughs> the week that this MSNBC article was written, he just recently he pledged to, quote, implement strong ideological screening of all immigrants to keep out those who don't like our religion, end quote. And that's this documented by Rolling Stone. Okay? Now, who's, what religion is our religion? Well, you know, it's dog whistle. It's obvious he means white Christians, white Christian fundamentalists, so specifically, and no one else. Now, according to the same group, PRRI, you know, which, again, is the Public Religious Research Institute, okay, <clears throat> they found in the report, which is about 74 pages long, you can download it yourself, that, quote, white Christians are notably more likely to view immigrants as an invading force than other religious groups, including 61% of white evangelical Protestants, 51% of white Catholics, and 46% of white mainline non-evangelical Protestants. Okay? The MSNBC piece also goes on to say, and again, I'm reading straight from it, quote, white evangelicals stand out not just for their continued support for Trump, but his stolen election lie, the QAnon conspiracy theory, comfort with authoritarianism, and deep distrust of perceived outsiders, whether immigrants, LGBTQ people, or even the judges and prosecutors, Trump repeatedly slanders. Now the report goes on to say a very specific quote. I'm going to read it to you. Quote, white evangelical Protestants continue to be some of Trump's most ardent supporters and remain the only major religious group in which a majority, 61%, rate him favorably, end quote, and that's according to the report. Now, the MSNBC piece goes on to say, quote, though 60% still doubt the 2020 election's outcome, white evangelicals are more determined than any other demographic to vote in 2024, with 78% telling PRRI they are certain they will cast the ballot. The article goes on to point out that there's maybe 61% of black Protestants, 53% uh, of non-Christian religious Americans, and 56% of religious unaffiliated Americans. Um, this is not an election to sit out. You know, when I hear single-issue people, whether it's about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which is a war, let's just call it what it is, or whether it's about abortion, whatever, this is not the election to sit out if you hate Trump, if you really value democracy. You know, Trump and the GOP, they are projecting their crimes on us. They're calling us fascists. Okay, we're the ones that actually believe in democracy. And, you know, he, Trump keeps calling this election the final battle, and you need to understand what that means. These white evangelicals know exactly what it means. The final battle in the Bible is between Jesus coming back as warrior Jesus, that is, and Satan. And if you're not a white evangelical, then we're all part of Satan, according to these lunatics. Okay? Now, this piece goes on to say, quote, but enthusiasm for voting should not be mistaken for a commitment to democracy. While most Americans, 58%, believe there is, quote, credible evidence that Donald Trump committed serious federal crimes, end quote, just 28% of white evangelicals agree. 
okay? Now, in the meanwhile, according to MSNBC, the New York Times reported that every team of prosecutors that are involved in criminal cases against Trump now require and have round-the-clock security protection, okay? Now, the U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia is a man named Matthew Graves. He's also the chief prosecutor of the January 6th rioters, and he told, quote, congressional investigators that threats to his office have become pervasive. The FBI has created a special unit to address threats against the Bureau, which have risen more than 300% since its agents executed a search warrant at Trump's Mar-a-Lago home last year. Trump has called the New York Attorney General Letitia James a Trump deranged lunatic for pursuing a civil fraud case against him. The judge in the case, Arthur Angeron, has slapped him with sanctions for persisting and posting threats against court staff online in violation of his order. And this is as documented again by Politico. Politico is not exactly a liberal group. Now, keep in mind, Letitia James, this is a civil case. And I remember hearing, oh, God, what was that? Was it on CNN? I think it was. Were examples of, you know, the Trump organization that they sold, for instance, you know, condominium apartments in their towers. They claimed that, for instance, one of the condominiums was 30,000 feet when it was, when it was only 10,000, which is still big, but my point is they clearly defrauded the buyer. There's, there's no guesswork here, okay? But again, you have to remember these white evangelicals in particular, they don't care that Trump is evil. They don't, they don't care. They don't care if he's a Nazi. They don't care about any of it because they see him as an imperfect vessel that, and this is how crazy they get that God is set down, to roll the clock back where the only people that have rights are white Christian males that are straight. That's it. That is their goal. And you underestimate their bigotry to all of our own detriment. Make no mistake about it. You know, you can believe religiously whatever you like. I don't care. But nobody has the right to impose their beliefs on other people. You know, and now we have a what do you call it, a, a Speaker of the House who's also a Christian extremist, you know, who believes in theocracy. And, you know, once again, these are people that hate democracy. Mike Johnson believes in theocracy. He shouldn't be in office. You know, back when I was a little kid, you know, I think President Kennedy was assassinated. I was, I don't think I was in school yet. And when John Kennedy was first running, there was a question, you know, as a Catholic, can he separate his Catholic beliefs and, and, you know, basically push secular law? And it was serious. And he did. Because there is that separation. It's called the Establishment Clause. The fact that Mr. Johnson doesn't want to see it is just his, you know, his own preference. You have to realize, this is, again, this piece from MSNBC, White Christian nationalism, they they really put it together quite well. They said the following, quote, belief in the stolen election lie combined with favorable views of Trump are strongly correlated with white Christian nationalism. Goes on to say, quote, belief in the stolen election lie, uh, I'm sorry, um, 
let me read that again. Belief in the stolen election lie combined with favorable views of Trump are strongly correlated with white Christian nationalism or the belief that God, that, quote, God intended America to be a new promised land where European Christians could create a society that could be an example to the rest of the world, end quote. Now, that quote was from the PRI, PRRI founder and President Robert T. Jones, who told the reporter. Um, Jones went on to say, quote, believers in white Christian nationalism are, quote, more, are significantly more likely than those who disagree to say that true American patriots may have to resort to violence to save the country, 39% versus 16%, according to the report. It goes on to say, quote, a majority of white evangelicals, 54%, agreed with the statement on white Christian nationalism, end quote. And this is from directly... This is a direct quote from Jones, uh, head of the PRRI. He ex Jones explained that, quote, they see non-whites and non-Christians changing the country. And if you think this is God's will and who the country is for, it's a very short step from there to advocate for violence to protect that vision, end quote. And he said it very succinctly, and that's exactly the case. So this was written by Sarah Posner for MSNBC. She's also the author of a book titled Unholy, How White Christian Nationalists Powered the Trump Presidency and the Devastating Legacy They Left Behind. It tells the story. It truly does. Now we have another piece here from The Conversation, which The Conversation is a really interesting um, uh, publication. Uh, they only accept submissions from university uh, professors or instructors who have a PhD or are about to finish one. So I can't submit there because I don't have a PhD. Okay, master's level isn't good enough. So this, was this new piece was written by Mark R. Rice, who is a research affiliate in legal and political philosophy at the University of California, Davis. And it was published just this past Halloween, a week ago. Uh, the headline is Trump's violent rhetoric echoes the fascist commitment to a destructive and bloody rebirth of society. Take a little water here. I'm going to make this a little bigger, a little hard for me to see. Okay, so the article goes on about how, you know, <clears throat> Donald's rhetoric has become even more violent recently, and yet, according to Mr. Um, Rice, the press and the public have, quote, shrugged their shoulders. <clears throat> and he cites a piece from the Washington Post. Okay. Uh, this the subheadline of after eight years of Trump and politics is a banality of crazy setting in. Now, this article here, the writer is a political philosopher. He makes a point of studying extremism. And he really is making the point that we should be more worried about this. This is not just empty talk. And he cites a lot of reasons, such as Mark Milley, who you know, is the outgoing chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. According to Trump, Trump said in September of 2023, he said the Mil General Milley was guilty of treason. Why? Mainly just because he reassured the Chinese that the U.S. had no plans to attack them in the last days of the Trump administration. And because of that, Trump said that Milley deserved the, deserved the death penalty. And that's as documented by The Guardian. Think about how crazy, it's not just crazy, how corrupt that is. Now, Mark Milley 
outgoing chairman of the Joint Chiefs. He's been a lifelong Republican. He is a conservative. But he also believes in the Constitution. And he wasn't going to breach his duty. He did the right thing. Does that mean that I am, you know, that I adored Mark Milley? No, of course not. But you have to give credit where credit's due. And I mean, think about it. You know, right now, today, I think it was today, well, was, I'm not sure, but on, uh, on YouTube TV, you know, I saw this, what passed for a speech that Trump was giving where he's rambling on, and he's talking about how when he was in office, there was no, no violence, no wars breaking out. Because <coughs> only Trump can handle it, according to Trump. And, and he handled everything so beautifully, he claims, except that the Chinese government was worried, and rightfully so, that Donald Trump was going to, in the last days of the administration, attack them. So General Milley did the responsible thing. That could, if he hadn't, if Mark Milley hadn't made that phone call to reassure the Chinese, we could have been in World War III already. And we're talking a nuclear war, nuclear Armageddon. Okay? Keep in mind, these white evangelicals want Armageddon. They are nuts. You know, it's my opinion. I'm entitled to it. Now, it's not just Mark Milley, though. Back this year in April, Trump claimed that because Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg indicted him, that his indictment would, bring, would result in, quote, death and destruction, and that was as documented by the New York Times. Then in early October, Trump, quote, urged people to, quote, go after, whatever that means, Letitia James. And again, she's the New York Attorney General, filed suit against him for business fraud. Okay, and again, that's as documented by the nation. Now, Trump's earlier rhetoric, now on record, inspired January 6th, okay? And that's as documented by Reuters, hardly a liberal bastion. Um, once again, according to this article in the conversation, the, art, the writer goes on and says, quote, but it's not just government officials whom Trump suggests be targeted for extrajudicial killing. The writer goes on to say, quote, mere shoplifters should be killed too. And this is what Trump said, quote, very simply, if you rob the store, you can fully expect to be shot as you are leaving. And again, end quote, and that's as documented by the Washington Post. Now, Trump said this to cheer as he was speaking at the California Republican Party convention just this past September. Okay, he's inciting more lynch mobs. Why do you think so many of these Republicans that do not want to be criminally indicted themselves terrified to cross them because Trump's magic weapon is his lynch mob? That's it. Trump is a lying thug, and he has a lynch mob full of more delusional lying thugs. That's it. There's no magic here. And it's not just crazy bluster. This writer in the conversation saying, and I'm saying it too. And what the conversation article is pointing out that if you put what Trump is doing with these threatening statements, this violent rhetoric, you put it in historical context, that according to this article, quote, what Trump is doing is echoing views that are part of a long tradition of illiberal and outright fascist thought. For fascists have always seen the use of violence as a virtue, not a vice. I'm reading straight from the article. 
First, this is the natural result of the way that fascist communities define themselves. According to Carl Schmidt, and this is documented by Stanford, a quote, according to Carl Schmidt, a prominent Nazi and for our time, the official legal theorist of the party under Adolf Hitler, one builds and maintains a community by identifying and vilifying its enemies. And in this kind of highly polarized environment, the threat of violence always hangs in the air. And that's as documented.com, both of them actually. Now, this writer goes on to say that second quote among fascist machismo is much admired. Former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro, whose own outrageous rhetoric has also encouraged violent behavior by supporters, simply beamed when Russian President Vladimir Putin praised him for his masculinity. Okay, think about it. Translation, I'm going to put this in very simple terms. Fascist, they idolize the dumb stick. Okay? Alrighty, so this article goes on to say, quote, Trump often acts as a sycophant for Putin too, and machismo also is a big part of Trump's own personal, uh, own public persona. Okay? And, you know, this is as documented by the New Statesman. And he is a sycophant for Putin. You know, we did a show, a couple of shows, oh God, about a year ago, I think it was, on a study. Uh, an investigation that showed Trump's long-term connections to Putin and how he's so compromised. You know, we talk about the Manchurian candidate. Okay, well, instead of China, Manchurian candidate, it's Russia, but it's Donald Trump quite easily. And the article goes on to say, quote, third, fascists are observed obsessed with purity. They long for a world where they can live among their own racial, ethnic, religious, and ideological kind on land they view as exclusively theirs. But in the real world, people are too intermixed for this to occur naturally. True purity of community is an aspiration that can be made real only through violence and subjugation. Hence, the Holocaust, genocide, and ethnic cleansing, and other more limited attacks on minority and immigrant populations, end quote. That's all very true. Okay. Fascists also see violence, according to this article, as noble and intoxicating, okay? Um, this article points out another theorist, somebody named Julius Evola, who is a far-right intellectual, and Evola was active in Italy from between 1920 to 1970. Um, and he was the author of two books, one called Fascism Viewed from the Right, another one called A Handbook for Right-Wing Youth. And Evola writes that violence, quote, offers man the opportunity to awaken the hero that sleeps within him, end quote. Now, today, Evola is worshipped by the alt-right, which when you say alt-right, they're just neo-Nazis. Um, and they, they believe that, you know, according to this article, that a hero's death is, quote, preferable to a life built on liberal compromise. In fact, straight from Evola's writings, Evola writes the following, quote, the moment the individual succeeds in living as a hero, even if it is the final moment of his earthly life, weighs infinitely more on the scale of values than a protracted existence, consuming monotonously among the trivialities of cities, end quote. Okay, so it goes on. You get the drift here, okay? These Trumpers see violence as a political tool. 
period. They know they don't have the votes. Now, maybe with the Electoral College, but if we had a true vote and it was majority vote, they know they don't have the votes, but they have the weapons and they have the will to murder. That's it. Apparently, they have the will to murder, they have the will to enslave. Okay. So we can go on, but you get the drift here. Now, there's another piece here that I'm going to mention before we end this story. This is from Vice. What is it here? Vice.com, I believe. It was written June 9, 2023, by, Dave, by David Gilbert. The headline is, quote, we need to start killing. Trump's far-right supporters are threatening civil war. Within minutes of Trump's indictment, supporters lit up social media platforms with violent threats and calls for civil war. I'm not surprised by any of this. You remember, at the beginning of this broadcast, I said the Civil War never truly ended because it didn't. And these people, they mean this. You cannot take this lightly. Um, so one Trump supporter wrote right after the indictment, quote, this is his quote, not mine. Okay, so... Um, when the news broke Thursday, and this was the indictment on the classified documents case, okay, which is treasonous, all right? I don't care what you call it. Donald Trump put our national security in jeopardy at incalculable levels, okay? So this was right after Trump was indicted in the classified documents case, and here's some of the things that were written. One Trump supporter wrote, quote, we need to start killing these traitorous fuckstains. I kid you not. And that was written by a Trump supporter on something called The Donald, which is classified as a rapidly pro-Trump message board. And this message board did play a key role in, the January, in planning the January 6th attack. Never heard of it before. I have to look it up. There was another user that added, quote, it's not going to stop until bodies start stacking up. We are not civilly represented anymore, and they'll come for us next. Some of us, they already have, end quote. You have to take these people seriously. Okay? Now, Trump was indicted on seven accounts like this by Jack Smith. Okay? That... And he's facing a charge under the Espionage Act, as well as, quote, charges of obstruction of justice, destruction or falsification of records, conspiracy and false statements. That's the least of it. Now, Trump announced the news of his indictment on the documents case on himself on Truth Social. And he wrote that he had been, quote, indicted in the Boxes hoax case. And he pointed out he would be arraigned at Florida Southern District Courthouse, Miami. According to this article, it says, quote, within minutes, his supporters lit up social media platforms with violent threats and calls for civil war, according to research from Vice News and Advanced Democracy, a nonpartisan think tank that tracks online extremism. Okay. Uh, it goes on to say, the Vice piece, quote, Trump supporters are making specific threats, too. In one post on the Donald, titled A Little Bit About Merrick Garland, His Wife, His Daughters, 
a user, a user shared a link to an article about the Attorney General's children. Under the post, another user replied, quote, his children are fair game as far as I'm concerned, end quote. There was also a post about Special Counsel Jack Smith, again, posted on the Donald. This is something new. Uh, and this poster wrote, quote, Jack Smith should be arrested the minute he steps foot in the red state of Florida, end quote. Now, besides threats of violence against lawmakers and politicians, many were also threatening and calling for a civil war. Here's what a member of the Donald wrote about that. Quote, perhaps it's time for that civil war that the damn Democrats, spelled demo KKK rats, have been trying to start for years now. Okay. Another referencing former President Barack Obama and former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton said, quote, fact, our forefathers would have hung these two for treason, end quote. Now, there were other Trump supporters on social media platforms who were similar, making like general calls for an armed uprising. Uh, one supporter on Truth Social wrote, quote, the entire Republican Party should flood the courthouse and demand real justice here. Um, and it wasn't just anonymous users. Uh, Charlie Kirk, you know, he's all over. Charlie Kirk, right-wing talk show host, you know, he basically, quote, called on all Trump supporters to descend to Miami on Tuesday to protest the indictment. Well, he can do that. Um, there was another, excuse me, right-wing personality and a Pizzagate promoter named Mike Chernovich. And Chernovich wrote, quote, this is the JFK assassination all over again. Chernovich also claimed that something called the deep state, end quote, is what killed JFK, and now they're using Justice Department to take down Trump. Should be mentioned, Chernovich is a neo-Nazi. Okay. Um, in fact, give me a second here. Make sure I got it right. I'm doing that part from memory. Give me a minute. There we go. Mike Chernovich. Uh, yeah, Mike Chernovich is um, listed by the Southern Poverty Law Center, you know, as somebody who pushes hate speech. Um, Chernovich, this is coming from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Chernovich, quote, is one of America's most visible right-wing provocateurs known for boosting or generating massively successful conspiracy theories like Pizzagate. He made his career on trolling the liberal establishment by accusing people of pedophilia or child sex trafficking. Goes on to say, quote, this is again, Southern Poverty Law Center, quote, armed with a law degree. Wow, that's interesting. Chernovich claims to defend free speech, in particular, the freedom to harass women and make misogynistic, violent comments. Um, okay, so, and he's, there's several quotes here. Chernovich said on Twitter, September 2013, quote, rape via, rape, rape via an alpha male is different from other forms of rape. We can't really understand this as our culture is too detached from instinct, end quote. Um, Twitter 2015, he said, quote, I went from libertarian to alt-right after realizing tolerance only went one way and diversity is code for white genocide. Um, Twitter 2016, he has echo with these multiple parentheses. 
which is a slur against Jews, by the way. It's a Nazi slur. Echo exists because people got tired of seeing, quote, we white people are evil and oppressed blacks. Speak as Jews, not white. Honesty. Okay. So Chernovich, you know, again, um, he just goes on and on and on. Um, these are definitely white supremacist feel, uh, statements. Um, and I would say neo-Nazi, my opinion. He loves to troll. Okay. And, and think about what I'm saying. When you accuse people of pedophilia, you're, you're – you're basically uh, gearing up a lynch mob to kill people. Okay, uh, let's see. So he has a connection to the alt-right. Um, you know, once again, I'm looking here. Give me a second here. Uh, okay. So I want to make sure that you knew who Chernovich was, okay? Give me a second, folks. So getting back to this piece from Vice about all these, all this violent rhetoric coming from the Trump base, okay? This, this is what's going on here, okay? And let's see now. There was a 4chan user. If you're not familiar with 4chan or 8chan, these were uh, platforms that hosted some of the most vile, white supremacist, misogynistic, pro-rape, um, neo-Nazi forums out there. And one 4chan user wrote, quote, karma is a bitch, isn't it, you rich fuck asshole. Mm, lovely. And the 4chan user wrote, quote, leaving innocent people to be abused in the D.C. jail then catch hard time for supporting you on January 6, 2021 has consequences. Okay, so maybe some of them are waking up to the fact that, you know, the Donald is what he is. He doesn't back anybody except himself. Okay, so now we're going to take a little break here while I get ready for our jackass of the week. Here we go. Okay, and we're back. Let's get back to it now. We have a very special jackass of the week here. We're not going to do My Little Margie, you know, the, the misadventures of D.C.'s most prominent blonde Neanderthal. Didn't have time to put it together yet. So we will do jackass of the week. And then we have a very special Randy Ramo, yeah, Randy Ramo, yeah, I can't talk today. Randy Rainbow salutation. It's one we've done before, but it seems apropos. So let's move on first to Jackass of the Week. Uh, 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 uh. 
Welcome to PNN's Jackass of the Week Award. Oh, Republicans never sound as so intelligent. Okay. So this week we have a very special jackass. Make sure everything's turned up. Yes. This week the jackass is somebody who was in the Trump administration. She has uh, paraded, or so she's really a jetty. She's paraded around as by mainstream media as you know, kind of a more moderate commentator, but she's not. Her name is Sarah Eisger. And I looked her up, and Sarah Eisger, there, there's no excuse for the crap she's pulled. According to Wikipedia, she has a bachelor's degree from Northwestern University, and she also has a law degree from Harvard and then a degree from the London School of Economics. Okay? So she is an attorney and a political commentator. She's also a former Trump administration spokesperson at the United States Department of Justice. I remember her because when it was being reported how the Trump administration was abusing migrants of color, and especially little children, putting them in cages, this, I'm going to say a bad word, this foul bitch made excuses for the abuse of migrant children. She is garbage. Okay. And it's really outrageous. And in 2016, ironically, she was a fellow at the Harvard Institute of Politics. Now, you can be a conservative, but come on now. This is, talk about selling your soul. She was the deputy campaign manager for uh, the 2016 presidential campaign of Carly Fiorino. And then in 2012, she worked for Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign. She does host a podcast called Advisory Opinions for the Dispatch, which is a conservative media outlet. Now, according to this, she says, quote, while serving in the department, in other words, DOJ, Eisger defended the Trump administration's family separation policy, as well as Executive Order 13769, knows the Trump travel ban. You know, the family separation policy where, you know, children were torn out of the arms of their mommy. Okay, and lost. And this evil bitch was fine with it. Makes me mad. So, right now, the reason she received our Jackass of the Year awards because she made a really stupid excuse for Trump's behavior. Now, right now, there is, among all the cases coming out after Trump, an effort to keep him off the ballot. And basically, it's because there is a provision in the 14th Amendment, okay? And I believe it's the the 14th Amendment, Section 3, all right? Yes, it is Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. And, you know, several of us are claiming that he should be forbidden from holding office ever again because in his efforts to overturn the 2020 election, he committed insurrection against the United States government. So let's start with uh, the 14th Amendment, Section 3. It says... Verbatim, quote, no person shall be a senator or representative in Congress or elector of president and vice president or hold any office. That's the specific thing right there. That phrase there, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States or under any state, who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States, or as a member of any state legislature, or as an executive or judicial officer of any state to support the Constitution of the United States shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. 
but Congress may, by a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such disability, end quote. Now, there's a lot of arguments here, but I, Sarah Eisger made this really asinine claim this morning on the morning talk show. And what she basically claimed was because Trump never held state or federal office specifically before, before he became president, not clear, according to her, if the section applies to him at all. Um, quote, the article says, quote, per the 14th Amendment, someone is only disqualified for, from running for office if he or she had previously taken an oath to support the Constitution, quote, as a member of Congress or as an officer of the United States or as a member of any state legislature or as an executive or judicial officer of any state. Uh, and the article goes on to say, and the article was written by Sarah Eisger with someone else, quote, notably absent from that list, the president and vice president. Okay. Now, notice what she did. Now, this is an article, it, this article that I'm reading from came from uh, The Collision, okay, which is the name of the publication. It's probes reporting and, quote, trenchant analysis to help understand the new and extraordinary intersections between the law and presidential politics, end quote. And it was written <coughs> by Sarah Eisger and Michael Warren, published November 2nd. The problem with her excuse, very simply, is she only took part of the 14th Amendment that worked for her. But in that first part, it says, or hold any office. Notice all the word or. Or indicates a choice. In other words, if any single part of this is violated, it applies. And or hold any office applies. Trump held the office of president. He violated his oath of office. Done. Boom. Ms. Eisker is full of crap. So, and this is what comes out of Harvard Law School. Good Lord. Ah, excuse me. So, that's what comes from it. So, for that reason, ah, take another drink here. Sorry about folks. That's giving me trouble. So for that reason, again, the 14th Amendment, look at all those ors in there. Or, 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 or indicates a choice, which means all the conditions here do not have to be met, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, to apply. And the specific phrase, in between two commas, or hold any office, means that, yes, the presidency does apply, and Donald Trump can and should be prevented from ever running again. Okay? Sarah Eisger knows this, but, you know, that would just be like this pesky truth thing that she can't have. She can't have. So, for that reason, we now award Sarah Eisger the Jackass of the Week Award. Spray on, Jenny Jackass. Spray on. You nasty bitch. Okay. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, when somebody tells a lie, that's bad enough. When they tell an incredibly stupid lie, figuring they're not going to get caught, enough's enough. So we're near the end of our, our show. I told you it would be a shorter show this week. I will take questions. I'll wait a few minutes to see if anybody calls in, but otherwise, 
we're going to move on. Now, our last little, make sure this turned all the way up. Our last little ditty is Randy Rainbow, who I just think is hilarious. And this little tune is called Sedition, and it's to the tune of Fiddler on the Roof, ironically. Um, we, I think we played it before, but given what Trump has pulled, it is appropriate. So, with no further ado, Randy Rainbow. Give me a second here. Hopefully, most this of the commercials. Sorry about the commercials. I don't know how to get rid of them. Oh, I need a sound engineer. Here we go. All of us here today do not want to see our election victory stolen by a bold and radical Democrat, which is what they're doing, and stolen by the fake news media. A Twizzler with no proof. Sounds like a horrible idea for a musical, no? Or at least a horrible idea for a president. Well, in just a couple of weeks, he won't be anymore. And whether you're happy about it or not, there are rules that must be followed. Like my personal rule of not repeating a song I just parodied a few months ago, but you people won't stop f***ing DMing me to request it, so here we are. More importantly, you ask, how does a desperate, lamed-up president and his bootlegging minions with no hope or evidence try to overturn an election they've clearly lost multiple times? I can tell you in one way. We will not take it anymore. Edition!